You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us. Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy, surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. Bricks or... Yeah, the other, the other thing that is funny when you have like couples, you know, people who are oblivious that Zoom is on or like couples fighting about how to handle the settings or something. And there's always, I feel like there's always one person eating really obnoxiously and they don't know, you know, at least, I think like um, there's this guy eating a steak, but he had the, I must just like laid the phone down on the table. So it was an upshot like 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 looking oh my God. at his mouth and nose as he's like chopping so you'd see like his hand swerving in and out of view <laughs> cutting the steak and then this big fork coming up and his mouth like a whale's mouth about to eat a bunch of plankton i can't decide whether or not that's better or worse than the the people who got caught going to the bathroom in the middle of their zoom meetings how is that possible who had it in the bathroom you never heard about this no this was like a real thing like somebody like I don't know, didn't turn off the video or didn't even know that like, it's just, you know, like sometimes, you know, like when you're a kid and you, and you think that the person in the other car is like, kind of like they're on the television. So you can say whatever you yeah, want yeah, or like yeah. throw a rock at the car. And it was like that, like, she just like, didn't, I don't think she was thinking and was like, Oh, they're not seeing me. I just see them. And like went in, put the computer down on the floor and sat down on the toilet in full view of everyone. Oh like my it, gosh. it was like a wide angle shot of her sitting down on the toilet. And this and is I'm recorded. Like, like this is on a recorded call that's been passed uh, around. Well, yeah, it's been passed around. So it must've been recorded. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, I would feel bad passing it around, but you got to admit, I don't know if that can be topped. That is really bad. That reminds me of when we were a kid, we had a station wagon. And it had those seats in the back that flipped up so you can put two people in the back, but they were facing backwards. You're yes. Just- I was just talking about those the other day. I was telling my son, because my kids all get car sick. And I was like, oh yeah, they used to have these. And you he was like, that sounds backwards. And they were like, they, they, he was like, he goes, that sounds awesome. And I was like, you would throw up in about 0.3 seconds if you, you were going back. Jersey Pike <laughs> facing backwards. So um, uh, we would, but we would sit in the back me and my brother and me and my friends and we would put on these shows for other people. And for some totally. reason we thought they could we, like, we had this, we, we knew they could see us, but our minds thought we couldn't, you know, it was like those people on the zoom. We were just totally oblivious. No, they, but you think that they, what's happening is not real, right? Like you feel like it's not really happening when it's like, no, that's really happening. That's definitely yeah. happening. <laughs> and then, so one time we, we pulled off, we were on a road trip and we did this show and we pulled off and to get food and go to the bathroom, we get out of the car and this man approaches my father and starts talking to him. And my dad just gives us the look of like, like hell's rage is about to dump down. And apparently the guy had been following. He was one of the guys we were putting on a show for and it wasn't oh, no. inappropriate. We weren't like exposing ourselves or flipping them off or anything. It was just, we were being goofy and he didn't like it. What? Oh my God. I love when kids do that stuff. I love to, I'm like, my favorite thing is if you see a kid on a bus and you wave to them and they wave back, you know what I mean? Or they like, they're trying to be a little sassy and then you like play along with it and they get into it even more. I love that. That's the best. Isn't there's nothing worse than people who are so like into their day that they won't 
wave at or laugh at or smile at something goofy or silly that like breaks the norm. Don't you think? Sure. For sure. But what's, you know, what I find amazing about that story is that that guy took that time out of his day to like, go, I'm going to follow these guys and tell them what's going down. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if he was going to the same McDonald's. He got off the highway just to tell my dad. But I'm saying like that, that is very Israeli because Israelis will sit there and like be in the biggest rush that they have to cut each other off. Right. On the, and like can squeeze in and get right out in front of the car. And then if one person honks at the other person, the other guy who was in a rush cut traffic off, gets out and starts yelling at the guy. And I'm like, where are you in a rush? Didn't you want to get somewhere? (laughs) And I was like, how much, how much do you think yelling is going to make a difference too? It's definitely not going to make a difference when you get there on time. That's for sure. I'm glad you said that was so Israeli because if I had said that, I, I would have been. <laughs> definitely cultural appropriation of sorts. Yes. You I would have definitely given you a lip or two. You would have lost all four listeners immediately. <laughs> you got to so, let it. Well, my, my mom knows all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she was in the car. So question jar show today. You got, um, yes. you got any questions in the, in the queue for us? Oh, I, I got some questions. All right. You ready for a good question? All right. Let's yeah. see what I got in the question right here. All right. This, is um, question jar. this is question jar show number two. We take submissions uh, from listeners who ask questions and then we just kind of share and ask the question, answer the questions live on the podcast. So go ahead. Right. So I, feel, I feel like I want to start with this one. What, uh, this one was asked, what job would we be terrible at individually? Not, not as a group, but what job would you be terrible at? Mm. Um, anything that is rote detail and repetitive. I can imagine like, um, accounting I'd be terrible at. I mean, I'm right. great or it was great with math, but I can't just sit at the desk doing the same thing over and over again and just handling details. I need to be moving. I need to be active. So I think accounting, what other kind of, any kind of like desk job, although I sit at my desk a lot for work, I'm doing a lot of different stuff. So it's funny because I actually think rote jobs for me can sometimes be better. You know, like when you have to like, I don't know. But the question was for me. So no, 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 no. I just found just it funny that myself. like, I find us to be very similar. How's the answer wrong, Jamie? You said if it's for me. No, no, no. Now no, no, you're no, telling no. me I'm wrong? How's no, wrong? no, 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 no. Not that you're funny. I find it interesting. <laughs> I find it interesting. It's like asking someone's opinion and telling their opinion. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely wrong here. The, the, I find it interesting. What's going on here? I'm a never Trumper or always Trumper. I forget which one I am. So the, no, my, my, my point was I find the two of us to be so similar at times. Like we have such similarities in in our personalities. And like, sometimes I find rote to be so awesome. Like, I don't know, I could put on a comedy show or, you know, something, something that I can listen to and do. And like the rote, I can just turn off my mind and do whatever I'm doing. But I know what you mean. If it was every day, all day, I think I would shoot myself. Yes. I also don't think I could be Jesus. That's a tough job. I mean, yeah, I don't think, I think that's probably the same for you, huh? Are you guys taking applications for that? <laughs> yeah, there's a line. There's a, a line. It's a long, it's a long queue, ain't it? Anybody yeah. applying actually will immediately not be considered for the position too. So Correct. you have to not Correct. apply. You have to not want the job to get the job. It's sort of like Santa Claus, I guess. I don't know if I ever told you about the uh, the time that they. You remember that leadership uh, award that they had at URI, where they where they, they had like a name to it, right? I forget what it was. Yeah, it was something, and you had to like 
they, I forget who, how it worked, but you were nominated by someone or by like a faculty member or something, but then you had to write an entire like 16 Mm -hmm. page essay about how great you were. And so I, I think it was my senior year, I got nominated. And at the same time I was in a class where we had to do advocacy. And one of the things we had to do is we had to write an editorial and I was like, Oh, okay. So I, Rainville, that's what it was. The Rainville award. And I said, I said, uh, th- I called the, t- the title of the Congratulations to all the 2021 Rainville award winners <laughs> who are listening to, by the way, <laughs> we're speaking to you. So the, um, an elite club we're both in. Yeah, we're totally in it. So the, um, the, so I wrote it, I wrote the editorial, the title of the editorial was my Rainville application. And I wrote this entire thing that basically was like, um, when I go to McDonald's and I order a Big Mac, I don't have to tell the cashier how much I, you know, what I like about it. It's just, that's what I want to eat. And I was like, why would you, why would you make a leadership award about, you know, talking about why you'd be the person who deserved the award that almost did totally invalidates you right off the bat. And uh, it, it turned out that I did no research on how this award was given out, who gave it out, where it came from. Is it peer-reviewed? It, it, it is somewhat peer-reviewed, but the person who's sort of in charge of the award was my boss at the time. And I didn't realize <laughs> just, the guy was like, criticized her oh house. God, I totally went off. She created. And, he, and the dude was like, uh, you know, you could have talked to me before you put that out. And I was like, did you win, uh, did you win the award? I won the award, the, the award for not getting the award. Yeah. So here's my Rainville story. And then you can answer the question. Yes. I was um, a TA for a um, comedy, uh, no, humor and communication course. And the professor, Judith Swift, this was my second time being a TA. Um, she was also helping out a Broadway show for the second consecutive semester. So she would come to the first class. She would set everybody up and she would introduce them to me. And then she would say, I'll be away for most of the rest of the semester. This will, Ralph will be t- walking you through the class and I'll be back for the final presentations. And she would leave. So I was the teacher basically. Wow. And so I was nominated for the award. Now, what we said was when the, when the nominations came out, I had no interest in the award, but that became one of our classes. What we did was it was, a, it, we were in the, the, I think it was like four set classes on improv. And um, I said, so what we're going to do, here's the Rainville award. Uh, I want you to nominate me and we're going to collectively write the, <laughs> write the application. <laughs> and so we did that game where one person writes two and a half sentences of a story. Oh, it's like a written fold, improv, right? They fold yeah. the page down and then the next person only sees half a sentence, but not the context before it. And then they write kind of what's next. So we did this with like 22 students or something. And then we read it in class. And that's what we submitted for my Rainville. <laughs> God. Was, Wait, do you, you don't still have it? Do you No, Because my hard drive crashed like sometime in, in uh, grad school and I lost all that stuff, but oh, that would, would be so fun. Yeah. That would be great for the show notes. I feel like that was a good show notes moment. If we could have so had that. Granted, I didn't win, but as the uh, philanthropy chair for SAA, we also applied and won that year for the group, I think. Oh, nice. The group Rainville. That's always good to do. Club, club Rainville thing. Anyway, so what job wouldn't you be able to ever do? I think I would not be able to do um, 
I definitely, I feel like on the one side, I might be good at being like a cashier, like at a, at some sort of, you know, like supermarket chain, you know what I mean? Because sometimes you get to be like, um, what's her name from SNL who does the target lady, you know what I mean? Like where she gets to go, where she slides the card and goes approved. And she's like, she's all way too happy talking to people yeah. and they don't want to talk to her. Yeah. It's Kristen yeah. Wiig, right? Kristen yeah. Wiig. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I could see myself being way too excited to talk to people as they wait, you know, go through, but like, it would, it would kill me to sit but, in that chair. But that goes back to that kind of like, I hate when I can't stand when people aren't like in the moment or at least open to joy interfering yeah. with their day. You know what I mean? Like silliness or goofiness or even just like, a smile and a random interaction that isn't the norm. Like, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Right. No, for have sure. Nice, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all have for a nice it. day. Th- like yeah. there's certain scripts that you, if you break from people get, it's just this weird thing that people want to get so into the monotony. I know. I know. Wait. So uh, one of my favorite, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to tailor this also by saying, I didn't really answer the question because it it didn't ask what I would not like. It asked what I would be bad at. And I can tell from, I can actually tell you from experience when I was in just finished high school, going to college, my mother was like, you need to make a little more money before you go to school. Cause I spent the entirety of the summer almost in uh, at a friend's house, basically surfing. She lived like right on the beach. So I surfed every day. And that was like my whole summer. And she was like, and, and she said, you have to get a job. So I got a job in an ice cream shop working one night a week. And the woman, when I came to the job, she was like, um, everyone's like vying for nights and everyone wants a lot of nights. What, what do you want? And this was because my mother said, you have to have a job for the summer before you go to college to make money. So I said, is one night enough too much or too little? And she was like, she goes, you only want to work one night a week. And I was like, can I do like half a night? Is that possible? And she, she was break? like, so, so the summer ends and I go back to Philly and my mother says, no, you, you made like no money. you got to find a job. And I found a job at our um, like workout club, recreation, whatever you call it. It was called, we called it the club. It was the Abington club. Um, shout out to what no longer exists. And I got a job working in an outdoor grill at the beach sorry, at the pool. And I'm like making the food and like grilling in like a hundred degree, the worst humidity you could ever imagine. And I used to get in trouble because we had to take the only thing that I liked about the job was being able to take out the trash at the end of the day. Cause I could drive the, go- the golf cart, but I would drive the golf cart like a surfboard. And like, you know how on the golf course, there's yeah. like those ramps, you know what I mean? The only way. I was up on the rent. I almost flipped at least. I almost flipped it at least like 10 times. And one day the, the guy, my boss comes to me and goes, so we're getting some reports that someone's driving a little crazy with the golf cart. Uh, do you happen to know anything about that? And I was like, Nope, nothing. Sorry. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> he goes, well, if you do, can you just tell whoever's doing it? To-? Yep. I'll tell him to stop. No problem. But the reason I know I was really bad at this job was because I know this is a long way around. The uh, one day somebody came to me. Now I am not a drinker. I, you know this about me, Ralph. When we were in college, I would be known to have a root beer in a paper bag at all of our parties and just to be like feeling like I was doing something, but I do not drink. It's just not my thing. So a guy comes up and says, um, and this was the only time it happened the whole time I was working there in the summer. He says, can I have a Miller light? I said, no problem. I give him his Miller light. He goes off to the pool, comes back. Not that long later, like, like long after I gave it to him and says, listen, can I get another Miller light this time without the crushed ice in it? And I said, well, look, you don't want your beer cold. That's not my problem, buddy. And like, I didn't know you don't put ice in the beer. 
<laughs> and he was like, so I was not good at that job. That was not a job for me. Like I could never be a bartender. There you go. Well, good story. All right. There you go. So I'm bad at that. Bad at bartending for sure. All right. What is a movie that was majorly influential or meaningful to you in your life, but you were surprised that it didn't have as big of an impact in other people's lives, or maybe something you like, if it's something meaningful, or maybe it's something you quote regularly and people are like, I never saw it, that kind of thing. Did you ever see, I mean, this is the first one that comes to mind. Did you see Arrival? Perfect example. I've never seen it. I have no idea. See, okay. So Arrival, like, I, I, I'm a little bit into like the UFO sh- just as we say, like the, the ridiculousness of the UFO stuff. And I will watch and I will like, I'm in, I kind of, I like look at all these stories and there's lots of cool stories coming out right now. And I think it's really cool. Um, and I was looking through Hulu this one day just to like watch something. Um, and I think it's with Rachel Adams and the guy who played Hawkeye. Is that his name from the Marvel movies? The Hawkeye one with the bow and arrow? You know, the guy who shoots the bow and arrow and the and with all the, he's like with Iron Man. All, anyway, so the two of them star in this Renner. movie. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. And so the two of them are in this movie. I see them on the, the thing and I, and I can see it's about alien stuff. And I'm like, you know what? This is probably going to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, but I'm into this kind of stuff. So I'm going to waste my afternoon and watch this. And I turn it on. And I am literally weeping at the end of this movie. It is, I'm crying my eyes out. It's unbelievable. Why? And what makes it unbelievable? So, I mean, it's, it's hard to not give anything away. Um, but the storyline, first of Again, all, the story no one's line, seen it. So if they have spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny part was, let me just say this before I tell you what, it, what made me weep like a baby um, is that I went on afterwards and looked on like IMDB and it got a very good rating. Now that, again, that doesn't mean that like a lot of people saw it, but it actually got a very decent rating. So, Cause I thought I was crazy. I was like, I've got to been losing my context. Mind. Our podcast has a five-star rating. <laughs> yeah, baby. Thank you. Lou Macaron. We, we should shout out to Lou Macaron for the only, one of the only reviews we got. Um, so we, uh, so, so the movie basically is, is about this woman who, um, is one of the people who like the, the aliens land, whatever they're doing, who knows what they're doing. And they, they have this weird way of communicating and who knows how they communicate. It's really hard to, but the, the end of the story is so emotionally charged that she, you, you just, you can't help, but like your heart totally breaks for this woman. And it's not really, obviously like any movie that brings up good emotional baggage. It's not really about aliens. It's about what the, you know, the storyline and the interaction between the people. Do you say she falls in love with an alien? Oh, I wish I could. I oh. wish I could. Yeah, actually, it does a very good, like, uh, you know, you know, the whole thing about Jaws, right? About why Jaws was such a success was because, um, for the first, I don't know, what is it like three fourths of the movie? You can't see the shark, right? You don't see the shark and the, and that builds the suspense. But the reason you don't see the shark is actually because they couldn't afford to make a good shark and it kept falling apart. So they just kept doing the fin every time. So that's all you saw. So the, so in this movie, it's the same thing. You really don't see the aliens at all. You really only see like their hand or like, it's, it's very interesting. Why do you think, why are you perplexed that not more people watch it or love it? 
I mean, I'm perplexed because it really deserved what it got on, uh, on Hulu. Like it really got like almost an eight, if I'm not mistaken, or an eight, which is like very high for that. And not Hulu, sorry, on IMDb. And like, it's a really good movie. And if I ever mention it and people have seen it, they say the same thing that I say. That's like one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's definitely worth it. People who are out there, I'll put it in the show notes. You know, as we say, not, not making any promises, but I'll put it in the show notes. It's well worth seeing. I'm, I'm still not going to watch it. All right. It's, it's even on half the time. Your, I understand. Your salesmanship did not <clears throat> go over well. Okay. I, like I said, how can I sell it without giving you like the whole thing over? I don't want to do it. It's got, I don't want to ruin it for people. So what do you, what, what's yours? Have you seen big fish? Yeah, of course. Big fish for some reason gets me every time. I, I think there's something about the father son relationship in my past that I need to unpack in therapy. Um, but just the stories, like I would love, I think, part of me that I've written down before is like, I want my life to tell a magnificent story. Right. And the whole premise of big fish is that his dad would always as a kid and growing up, he would always tell his son, these magnificent un, you know, unbelievable stories. And the son believed them until he became an adult. And then he realized that these stories were probably bullshit and couldn't be true because they were just larger than life. And then in the end, his dad dies in a very normal way. I think it's cancer and passes away. And at the memorial service, all these people show up that are from the stories and they're retelling right. these magnificent stories from the father's life. And the son's realizing that they were all mostly true. His father just played them up a bit and it helps him realize, like, I think the coming of age of like, there's a moment when we have to like choose how much of our childhood do we hold on to and the sense of, you know, innocence and, and, and magnificence and wonder about the world as we begin to learn the details and facts and specifics and the grind of just trying to survive and, and, and have a family and, you know, do well. We have to abandon a, a bit of our childhood. But what's the expense, I think, is what came out of the big fish for me. Like, you, you've, like getting rid of that stuff, yeah, you're going to have a good home, a good career, um, but you miss out on so much beauty and joy and, and silliness that, you know, maybe that's more important to hold on to than trying to, trying to get by. But I, I would, I would like often tell these stories or like quotes from big fish and people be like, what's that from? Right. Oh, I, did, I didn't see it. Or I didn't, I haven't heard about it. Or I forgot that. Be like, how did you forget this? I, like this, this is bigger than Austin Powers. How do you? Know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I but I, just, I, I'm actually shocked that people don't know that movie more. It was, it was pretty big. You know, it was big when it came out. Um, I don't what, know. I don't know. Big. I mean, it wasn't like blockbuster, like Star Wars. Well, it like, was. It was put out there as like one of the. I don't like. I don't know what it raked in, but it definitely was made as a big Hollywood movie. You know what I mean? It was definitely one of the movies that they pitched as like something. But I'll tell you, interestingly. I, what I love about that movie is sort of the same, almost the exact same takeaway that you have, but slightly different, which is, I think that, that there's also this thing that happens as you grow older, that you realize, number one, that we really are only the sort of, we are only our stories, like our stories are who we are, right? And it sort of defines us as people, whether it is in what we're doing as a person and, and continue, or it is as in how people memorialize us and remember us. But on the flip side, I think there was this thing where the, where this, the character that was Ethan, whatever, he, he's the son, 
he realizes that at one point he didn't, he thought his father's stories were ridiculous. And then he realized, but they weren't like he real, like you go through this process as a person where you, in the beginning, you think that your parents are idiots. And then you realize one day, either because you're the same idiot or, or that, you know, your parents are, are you, you love and respect so much more what they said, who they were um, and what they did for you. And I sort of saw that trajectory in his life. And I thought that was really powerful. I like that about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's the other piece for me was always um, a sense of humility that goes along with achievements and greatness and that kind of stuff. I remember um, Kendra met some friends of mine. So I, I, I grew up in Rhode Island and, and spent a lot of time in, at a summer camp in New Hampshire, um, did a four years as a special ed teacher, moved out to California across the country mm-hmm. and basically all new friends, all new, went to grad school, became a pastor. And now I'm living in California. So there's this whole half of my life that my wife now who I met in grad school didn't know the people or the stories. And so I'd often tell these stories um, about things we've done and accomplished and um, fun we had and goofiness. Anyway, so one time we went back east and we spent a, like a week with all my friends. And it was a lot of like, you know, reminiscing and hamming it up and going to do fun stuff. And I remember when we came back, Kendra said something like, you know, I thought that most of your stories were just bullshit, but your friends retelling the stories made me realize they weren't even as big as you were retelling them to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. She's like, I think when you tell people stories, sometimes they think you're making it up, but you have just enough other factual stories that are crazy enough for them to believe it. And I'm like, yeah, I don't make up a lot of stories. I said, I definitely embellish and have my fun with some of the things, but I don't make any, they're not factual. They're just, uh, you know, so I'll, I'll tell you something interesting, which is like the flip of that, which is, um, I had a, I had a friend one time, uh, who, you know, we were really close at one point along in our life. And every time we sort of reconnected in, you know, this was years after we were, you know, in the same place at the same time, um, I would re- reminisce about stories that we, you know, that we did together and things that we did together and always try to get a rise out of them because, you know, oh, remember when we did this and remember when we did that. And, and he turned to me one time and said, you know, I don't remember any of those stories of when we were, when we were together. And I, it, like, it literally broke my heart. I, I literally was like, you don't remember any of the things that we did together. And he was like, no, I, I really, it, my memory starts after that. And I was Some like, people are just like that though. That's not, I no, mean, for sure. But it was like the way, the way it was said was like that whole experience of our time together wasn't as formative for me as it was for you. That's how I took sort of took away from, you know, and I went like, wow, you know, like, I don't know if we have a friendship anymore. Like, where did it go? You know, like what, what do we have except the memories that we had when we were together? You know what I mean? Like, there was really very little for us to sort of connect over at that point. And I, and it was really, it was heartbreaking. It was like, those are our stories. That's us, man. That's what we did. That's who we were. And, and like, and look, I I can, I can certainly say that I remember stories and love it to embellish and tell, tell stories, but to say, I have no recollection of the things that you're talking about was like, ouch, you know, it was, it was hard. I, um, I don't remember negative things um, in the fullness in like the whole, I don't remember the whole story. Someone was, um, saying 
like, remember when this happened? I was like, no, was I there? And he's like, yeah, dude, you were the one who like carried the dead body. And I was like, oh, you're like, oh, I remember we were there and the guy died, but I have, wow. I have no recollection of, of most of that. And it's just kind of like, I don't know if I live and learn and move on or if I ignore it or I'm, you know, again, probably Look, a lot I, of therapy. I think it's not, I think it speaks to, and it might be similar between the two of us, but I think it speaks to a, a level of what some people accent in their life and what some people, other people do, right? Like some people are very focused and sort of, I don't know if it's a motivation, but their entire being is like this, you know, oh yeah, today I woke up and I stubbed my toe and then I went and my milk was bad. And you're like, it's just this list of bad things. And, and like, that's just not the way. And tell me if you feel the same way. I, that's not the way I look at the world. Like there was, it was actually, I saw something posted today about, I mean, we, we had this on our, on our last show talking about the, the, what was going on in Israel. And, and a guy said that he was speaking to his rabbi and he said, this is so horrible. There's so much more anti-Semitism now. Um, there were bombs falling out of the sky. There was COVID. And he says like, why are all these negative things happening? And his rabbi said, oh, it's so funny. He said, we have a vaccination that has basically put the numbers down to like, we have like 20 new cases a day in this country. He said, you know, we have a, we have a ceasefire and a peace agreement right now, which thank God is holding and will hopefully still hold. And like, he listed the flip side of every single thing that he listed off and was like, and he says, and how many people are being saved by COVID? And the guy was like, wow, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And so I think some people just look at the world in that glass half empty way. And you probably remember the positives because you don't look at it that way at all. Those, those, those aren't the things you focus on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's just another question. I got another question. So in line with your, your favorite movie, um, what is a childhood fear that you still hold on to? Peeling vegetables. Really? You gotta be, you, you see, come on, don't, don't pull the leg. Really? You're scared of peeling vegetables. Uh-huh. I don't want to talk about it. I'm really scared of it. <laughs> I, want to talk. I appreciate it. If we move on, I don't want to talk about it. About um, is it, wait, hold on a second. Is it a peel? It's the cutting aspect of it. Like, what is it? Peeling, just the peeling. And you don't find it appealing. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Well, I had I don't to find it appealing, appealing. I, just, I had to. Okay. Mine is totally ridiculous. It's really, really, if, if the, if the peeling the vegetables thing wasn't bad. Stop enough. saying it. Move on. Answer your question. <laughs> um, I, I, I hate, I hate swings. I'm always afraid that the person either next to me or next to anyone else is going to go wildly out of control and hit the person next to him. It has never happened to me. It never, I never saw it happen to anyone else. I don't think, Aren't but my big weird to never hit each other. Like, you know, you know how if somebody like bangs their legs and then they start swinging around almost in a circle and like if they keep their legs out, some of them are close enough that they could totally whack into each other, you know, like, and I've always had this fear that the person next to me is going to lose it. In fact, I was a little scared before I started driving that I would think that about the person driving the opposite way on the road that the person coming the other way that I would always be like, ah, they like the swing and I, and like, they're, they're going to lose it. And I'm going to, I'm going to get in an accident. Like it was weird. So you're equating a pendulum to driving a car that the same physics apply to a simple pendulum of a swing. Yeah. I think okay. that makes sense. That okay. doesn't make I sense. Just, I would love to take a poll here from the, from the listeners. If you could just send in your answers. Uh, my fear is peeling vegetables, which Jamie thought was ridiculous. His fear is childhood swings. 
if you could weigh in, which one is more ridiculous? I, I have no judgment on your fear of swings. I think fears are, are legitimate. They're real, as, as, as menial as some of them are. But I'm, I'm not sure if mine's the ridiculous one here. Oh, well, I'm having a hard time really piecing it together. You didn't really give me much info, bro. If you had an entire year to work on one attribute, and that was all you did for work, 40-hour weeks. What was what? You? Do what for work at 40-hour weeks? Uh, focus on growing an attribute in your life. Okay. Which one would you work on? Wait, ask the question again because you cut out. Ask me the question again. If you if you could work on an attribute, growing an attribute in your life for one year, which one would you grow? Let me go while you think you could tune out like you always do and uh, think about yourself while I answer the question, okay? And you uh, answer the question. Yeah, I am. So I would say... I would say that it's a tough, tough, um, I would say either gratitude or humility, because I think gratitude is an attribute that really shapes, reshapes your perspective on everything. Um, and I think it also includes humility in a way. I think you have to be somewhat humble to have ultimate gratitude. And I don't mean feign gratitude, like thankfulness. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. I mean, a sense of appreciation of the way things are rather than an anxiety or desire for something more or something different. Because I think a lot of my life and probably a lot of people's lives is, is shaped by what's better and worse and this sense of judgment. And um, we live kind of yearning for something or thinking in the future or thinking what we don't have. Whereas anytime I reshape the moment and say, oh, how great is it that I get to, you know, sit here with my two-year-old and have time just to be with her rather than can we hurry this poop, this potty training up so I can get out of here? You know, the more I can enjoy the moments that rather than be frustrated, the more I realize it's all worthwhile. It's all good. So I think gratitude's a huge one, um, but it takes reshaping because our, bri- our brain is naturally wired to be judgmental, to be, uh, you know, to, to, to make us think of what we don't have or what we want more rather than what is great about right here, right now. So I'd say gratitude probably. Um, but humility is one that I've, I've often, you know, considered how, how to do I've, you know, anytime I, I try to be humble, I apparently I come across as like a feign, like a fake, um, uh, like self-deprecation rather. So I, I get humility wrong when I try it, but I think humility, being humble is all about kind of appreciating others, complimenting, trying to see the, 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 you know, the speck of good within something and, and making that seem like the greatest thing. Um, but also kind of being awestruck and curious about my work and who I am rather than, you know, so set in my ways that I think I'm perfect, like being open to conversation and criticism more. So, Jamie, I, now that I've now that I've had time to think about me and not really listening to you, I think all those things are really good. Yeah, turn, um, turn your mic back on. You can go ahead. I am I am thinking that it might actually envelop a lot of what you were talking about because I definitely think that the whole thing about being present is a very big thing and and not feeling like you know I don't know we, we got to get things done today or you know and and just trying to have a good time with my children. All those things are important, um, but I think. If I had to work on something, um, 
and I flip back and forth with this, it would probably be listening more than saying things out loud. I think, I think brevity is um, highly underrated and that um, some of the people who sort of carry themselves with them that I know who carry themselves with the most sort of influence is a bad word, but with the most power and, 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 and they sort of affect change in the people around them do a lot more listening than they do talking. And there's something about, and I think just from the mere fact that they don't talk as much, it's sort of like, um, along came Polly. You remember when, uh, um, uh, Ben Stiller's father at the end of the movie turns to, um, I'm going to bring uh, Seymour Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman and says like, you know, you're stuck on this movie and it was from when you were a child, it's time to grow up. I mean, what's wrong with you? And da, 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 da. And Philip Seymour Hoffman turns back to him and says, I don't think you've ever spoken to me before, sir. Like that, that, like he didn't speak in the whole movie. He didn't say a word through the whole movie, the father character. And, and I'm like that when he said that, I'm sure it had more effect on, you know, than somebody who blabbles on and on and on and on and on, and then says something that's interesting or maybe effective, but you've just been talking the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like working on what we call in Hebrew, it seems where you sort of pull back a little bit and let the other things around you happen more than you affecting them. So how would you work on that? How do you prayer? How do you like, if that's your job to like study it and practice and master it, what would, what would you do day to day? Um, like, how would I, you mean like, what would I study to, or how would I actually get myself to do that? Is that the question? Cause the question is like, if this was your full-time job for a year, just developing this attribute. So developing a, a brevity, I guess, maybe there's something more to it. It sounds like there's more like wisdom and thoughtfulness maybe, but um, no, but I mean, you could think of those, what would you do? You could think up, you show up to your office on Monday and you sit down (laughs) at the desk and you go, okay, today's task is to work on talking less. What would you like? What are the activities? I'm curious. Oh, I would think, I mean, the way I was sort of thinking about it was like, if you, I, I don't have this in my life. Like I actually do, like you said, sit a lot of the time on my own during the day, but but if I were somebody who was working in sort of a, a group setting, I would probably try more to let the other people around me, you know, be the initiators of things or talk about things more than I felt like I needed to sort of like, hey, I'm going to weigh in and say something on this now because I feel like I have something that's important to say. You know what I mean? And only save those times for when I really felt like it was needed or uh, uh, poignant and to the point. But this is and your could job. Make- no one's going to pay you to do that. Like, I think one one thing you can oh, do is you, yeah. you can go on social media and you could um, go to a page that, like, you totally disagree with. Uh, something, maybe something that's like calling you out or, or hating something that you you that's beloved to you. Like, um, right. And you go to that page and you just read all the comments without responding. Maybe that's a good. Mm, like, it's a good. That would be yeah. That'd no, that be would like be like a job description. Like go to haters. <laughs> it would be a great job description. Um, your your application would actually be like the the Rainville Award. You couldn't actually apply for it. You just had to do it. Mm, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it would be like withholding judgment and opinion, and allowing it to deepen within yourself at trying to like I think a lot of that is people who reserve talking until it's like a wise moment 
are often looking within themselves at saying, you know, if they're going to respond and they're going to be like, oh, that's, that's, that's an angry response. And I don't want to be angry. Hmm. I want to be wise. Right. And they realize that anger is just the protection or defense mechanism of their ego. Right. So they're going to respond in a way later that's wiser. Or like when I'm working with people I supervise, I often think through, is it, is it going to be better in the long run for me to tell them what to do or for them to have the experience of doing it, even if it's not as good, right? So what happens is someone will say something, here's, here's what I'm going to do. And I have to go within myself to be, like you right. said, to not have, to, to listen more. And I'm listening both to the individual, but also you got to listen to yourself at like, okay, why do I want to tell them exactly what to do? Oh, I want to look good for myself and show them that I've right. done it six times and I've succeeded, but they've never had the experience of succeeding once, which helped me exceed, succeed six times. So don't talk, just listen, nod and say, good job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It reminds me of when I, yeah, I, I forget who it was, but there are friends probably over and you know, they jumped when my, one of my younger children were under the table and, you know, starting to stand up and they were going to slam their head on the bottom of the table. And they were like, Oh, don't, don't let it in. I was like, no. And I'm like, they're going to learn not to hit their head on the table. If I let them stand up right now, if I keep, you know, put my hand in front of their you know head, they're never going to learn. So I, I'm, I think you're, you're, that would definitely be a good way to work so both on yourself job. and help that's others. Another daily requirement of your job. You have to put your kids in a precarious situation and not tell them how to protect themselves. Yeah. They've got, listen, this is all about independence. They've got to learn how to do it. That's what I say. Mm -hmm. All right. You got another question? Yeah. Um, Who's it from? Uh, oh, it's from uh, Amy coming out of New York. She says, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? What part of New York is Amy from? I think upper state, upper state, upstate. Probably. That's a guess. Upper state. Don't they just call it upstate? Something like that. Yeah. Like in the Northern part of the, of the new, not, not, we're not talking New York city. We're not talking Manhattan. We're talking upstate. You're stuttering a bit and over talking. Is this, is this a real, are you making this up? Which one, the question or the, who said it? Five. I think it would take five chickens to kill an elephant. Really? That's a low number. Have you seen an elephant in person before? You've seen one, right? And we're not talking about like anger the elephant. We're talking about he's dead. He's not moving anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think maybe like you know, rabid chickens. Okay, that that's the, now you've changed the question. Rabid chickens are different. We all know that rabid chickens are. You don't mess with those. Oh. Um. I, I'm just. I'm only saying that because I would have gone or like I would have jumped to a higher number. I would have you, jumped you to like really anger the chickens. And once chickens are angry, I mean, cause they're not going to try and kill the elephant, you know, they have to, mm. so it would be an infinite number cause they're never going to try unless you anger them. So I, I guess I implied, I, I, I assumed that these, you have to get these chickens angry somehow. And if you've ever <laughs> been around an angry, rabid Spanish speaking chicken, Yes. You know that, that it doesn't take many to take down an elephant, but no, that's they're not angry. I don't, I mean, go ahead. Well, 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 you, you, what was your answer? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably refer you, you've reminded me now of the uh, Muppets take Manhattan scene. Yes. Or if you remember where he's, the chicken course, is on his nose, right? Most, you do. Yeah. yeah. Most meaningful yeah. Uh, movie scene in all of history, more than Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Well, I actually don't know why it didn't affect people Chicken's more, but it, I'm, yeah. I, I, yeah. Gonzo and Chicken. 
And, and that chicken was chicken. So yeah, five might not be bad. I would have gone with at least, I was thinking at least in the twenties, I was going for the twenties. That was where I was, mm-hmm. but I wasn't thinking about angering the chickens per se. So what does Amy in upper state New York have against elephants that she wants to kill an elephant in a way that hides that doesn't implicate her? It's true. She, I mean, it, it was, if it was a zoo elephant, she would own them a, mo- a lot of money, but you know, truth be told, it, it's a fair question. These things could happen. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the inquiring right along, minds want to know. Right along with the title of the show, you'll never believe this five chickens kill. Five angry rabbits Spanish-speaking chickens <laughs> If that were the subhead, right? Five chickens kill oh. elephant. You'll never believe this. You got to find a picture uh, for the for the promo. You got to find a picture of chickens killing an elephant. Nice. Well, I'll see what I can do. You got another question or should I give you another one? If you got another one, go for it. Mm, we did that one. We didn't do that one, but I'm not loving it. Um how about this? Okay. What are the top three things you hope to accomplish before you die? And how close are you to accomplishing them? Even one. Let's go with like, let's start with one. Should we start with one? I want to have a pool in my backyard. That's a good start. All right. Pool in the backyard. How close are you? Have you started digging? I have a picture of the pool I want on my vision board. All right. That's a good start. Like Pinterest. Is that what that is? Vision board is like Pinterest vision board. No, it's, I have an actual board in front of me. It has a picture of Ted Lasso has a picture mm-hmm. of the pool. So this is a, it's a natural design pool. So what they do is they have an, an, a creative architect come out and shape concrete in the shape of rocks and um, almost like a watering hole you'd stumble upon as you were hiking. So it's not just uh-huh. like a, straight up concrete gunite tiled pool. It looks like a water hole with a waterfall and rock structures. And even the patio looks like it's just naturally a, a, a place where you might want to lay down. So yeah, there's a picture up there. There's a picture of the cover of the book I'm writing. Uh, some of my closest friends. Yeah, it's just a vision. What's, what's Is, is the book happen? that you're writing on the list of things? Would that be number two? Oh, for the question? Um, yeah, yeah, top yeah, three things you want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the book is what's going to get me the millions I need to get this pool in. So, yeah, that's what I, that's what I, yeah, there's definitely, they're interconnected for sure. But have you started, you started writing the book? Yeah. So based on the progress of the pool, you can tell um, just how, I mean, it's desirable, but I just don't have time to get into doing a pool right now. And they're expensive, man. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, you, would you do it yourself? Would you dig it? Would you like, would you do it? No, you'd have somebody come in to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't. Judging know. from my skills, like in the sand at the beach, you know how the water just keeps going down. You keep trying. Like I, I would, I would not put myself in the build, make your own pool category. That's not going to happen. I'm pretty handy when it comes to like straightforward tasks. Like I've mastered some plumbing, some gas lines, some electrician stuff, some installed, you know, flooring and that kind of thing, repairs. But I think pools have so much structural stuff and retaining walls and water management and sealant. And I just wouldn't, I, I, you know, I'd always be worried. You know how like if you paint something or do something simple in your house, you kind of always notice the mistakes in it. Oh, for sure. I feel like a pool, 
would always have oh. a mistake that's like doomed for us to like explode or get electrocuted or something and be like that's gonna crack someday and i'm gonna die from it so i'm just or, so, or some friends too, are gonna be over and it'll be really bad way too massive yeah way too yeah. too too intense for me to figure out so yeah maybe the pool and the book the book so i actually have plans to be on sabbatical for uh, august until mid-november this year and so nice. the, book, the book's on the list to try and um, get as far as I can with it. Um, and then if I don't finish, uh, f- create a discipline of writing so that I can get finished, you know, fairly soon afterwards. That's the hardest you've start, part. You've started it though, or it's just, it's in the head. I've started it. I've got um, the first two chapters written, the outline nice. done, kind of the narrative of um, the flow, kind of what, what, um, what the bigger pieces that come together are so are you keeping things on wraps or can we know a little bit more about what it's about or it's not something you want to share just yet for the um it's about how how the whole world's connected interconnected with with god's love and how there's nothing apart from god and how it's a very um inclusive inviting piece for those who have either been you know turned off by people who say they represent god or never been curious it's it's more digestible than kind of nice. biblical biblical language and church talk. Amazing. So yeah, and then I'm, I'm hoping to make an experience of the book, like a like a book launch that isn't just me reading a chapter, but there's like, um, you know, there's a dance, there's a, a interpretive dance to this um, this rap uh, that I like that has something to do with the book. There's another nice. um, like a poetry piece. So it's like a it, the, the the experience will be like an evening. Um, variety show all about what the book's about but it's not just you know i think a lot of those things are just reading the book yeah no i think that would definitely be better nice all right not bad what about you uh this will be the last question what um what do you want to accomplish before you die and how far are you um this is going to be a sad one in the sense that it's nothing really great but i have always wanted to go skydiving and it's like oh. more like a bucket list thing, but I've not discussed, gone skydiving. I've done lots of stuff. So I would say that I'm close, meaning I've done the rock climbing. I did bungee jumping. I've done a lot of crazy things. I've done parasailing, hang gliding. I've done lots of crazy stuff, but that one has not happened as of yet. Hmm. So that one's definitely, so I, you know, I just, you know, I don't know if I'm not motivated. Like the, the bungee jumping thing kind of happened because I was in a mall and there was like a, a water park and they're like, oh, by the way, there's bungee jump. And I was like, yeah, let's do that. You know what I mean? It wasn't, there was no planning involved. Was it, it, was was it like, a really short bungee cord or was it a really big mall? It was a really big mall. It was what like, was it was the same family that made the Mall of America made this mall. Uh, it's in Can- It was in Canada. Still, I think there. Um, mall, and it was Canada. <laughs> I actually think it is the mall. Of Canada. I don't remember so speaking about bad things and blocking them out. That one, I don't remember exactly what the name of that mall is. I think it's called the West Edmonton mall or something ridiculous like that. Um, and I, um, yeah, so I, I definitely did it. And, and the funny part was when I, before I did it, I had, it was like almost like a childhood fear. I was like, I, I, I think bungee, I will go skydiving, but bungee jumping seems ridiculous to me. You're just too close to the ground with like no chance for, you know, solving a problem if something goes wrong. And I didn't feel like I wanted to do it. And then I'm up there getting ready to go. And the guy goes, do you want to dip or do you want to just not touch the water? And I was like, definitely dip. And I was like, so now I want to get closer to the, <laughs> to the ground that I was thinking before. And I told, and I did it. It was great. That's way more dangerous than skydiving. Of course it does. 
It is way more There's dangerous. So much you, you whiplash, and the thing. I mean, the rope is is like, what if your feet are slippery and they tie the rope on too loose, you slip out and dip. Oh, it was one of those. Just for the, like, for the record, that's a neck injury waiting to happen. I know, I know, I did, but it was the uh, it was the chest harness ones. They have these ones where you have like a waist harness, and then there's like a something that comes around your chest, and they bring all the things in front of you, it, like so the cord is coming straight out of your chest. Um, it's not from the feet. And what's amazing about it is that we get up onto the platform and the guy says to me, um, you got to keep your arms like right up in the air. Like you can't keep them in front of you at all. Cause if they're in front of you, then the cord is kind of like coming from your chest and behind you from where you jumped and it'll tear your, like, it'll really hurt your arm. And I was like, huh. And it I was like, like no. a, it sounds like an animal onesie. Were you, did you, did you, you just had a monkey suit on? <laughs> had a monkey suit on. Exactly. So <laughs> I so want to bungee jumping in the safest place possible. Is there a mall with monkey suits there, I can jump? There, I, you know, especially with the dipping Maybe thing, Canada, I want to go in a Canada's monkey particularly suit. Safe. <laughs> I've heard nothing. Since they're selling any kind of prescription you want. Oh, and they, by the way, when you, when you're scared and you're getting up there and you're talking to them and you say like, okay, so like, has anything ever gone wrong? And of course the guys who work there are like, you don't answer that. You don't answer that Oh, you asked that question. And the guy goes, yeah, one time one, something went wrong. I was like, what went wrong? And he's like, a woman bounced back into the pole. I said, what do you mean she bounced back into the pole? He said, it was her fault. I was like, what do you mean it was her fault? He said, when she jumped, instead of jumping out, like you're supposed to, she balked and grabbed the railing and then like totally messed up her trajectory and came back. And I was like, okay, so you're saying don't hold onto the rail. Got it. But go on the rail. Don't, don't balk. So I mean, um, that's the same thing with skydiving. Like if you, if you balk the, uh, balk the jump, you're going to get sucked into the prop and get chopped up. In the <laughs> Has anything ever happened? And nobody yes. asks that question right before they're about to yeah, jump. I'm not, by the way. So there's a couple things that happened here. I went with two of my friends and uh, it was actually my brother-in-law and my a friend of mine. And I was first to go. So once I was first to go, there's no way I was going to turn around. You like I was asked, how am I going to die right now? That would have been. Yes. That would have been a better question. question. So as I get up there, my brain says, I was a, I did a regular diving, not skydiving, like off of a board into the pool in, in a little bit in college, but through high school. And for some reason, my brain said, okay, so here's what's going to happen when I jump and that whole chain and cord is in front of me, I'm going to want that to not be in front of me. So I'm going to do a flip. I'm not going to just jump. And and, and I thought, cause then I'll be sort of, my chest will be pointing up when I get to the bottom and it worked and it was good. But what happened was when the guy gets up there, he goes, okay, what's going to happen is I'm going to count to three and then you're going to jump. And I'll tell you right now, if the guy didn't do the countdown or whatever, the three, two, one go, you would not jump off that platform. I would be standing there probably to this day going one sec, I'll get there one sec. Hold on. I'm going to go. But as soon as he says three, two, one, zero, go. You go, well, he said it, I got to go. And you just jump, you just do it. And I was like, I totally did. And it was like, it was cool. It was fun. Anyway, so skydiving is definitely on my list of things, of things that I, and I'm nowhere near to accomplishing that goal, but that's one of my, one of my goals in life. Um, and there was a point in my life where I wanted to, I think I wanted to surf like the big, you know, really big waves and see if I could man up to that sort of an experience. And I am nowhere near that goal. I live in Israel, which gets to about six to eight foot. That's where it tops out. Um, and I think the that you have to trip. That requires a great deal of preparation and athleticism. Yes. Jumping out of a plane just requires you paying someone $200 to fly you up in the air and then push oh. you out of that plane. 
No. So that's the other thing. The other reason I really haven't gotten any closer to doing it is because just like the way that I wanted to, like I did the flip, you know what I mean? When I jumped off the platform and I, you know, I had to figure out how to do it. My, I don't want to be strapped on some dude jumping out of a plane. Like that doesn't seem like experience. That is. Oh yeah. You've done it. Yeah. Many times. I mean, even not when I'm skydiving, it's just like a Tuesday night around here. No, I don't. It's not like it's just a thing where I don't, want to get, especially look, if, if this was like, say I had like a really close friend and they were like, I'm a skydive instructor and okay, cool. Let's do it. But like some guy I've never met before strapped onto my back. I I don't know. It doesn't feel like the way I'd want to do it. I'd want to do it myself. If you you can get over that, that is the greatest sense of security you can have when jumping out of that plane, because otherwise for that entire free fall and you pulling the shoot and the time it takes to shoot down and then land securely, you would be a nervous freaking wreck right. about everything that's going down. Whereas when I did it, so Kendra and I did it for our second or third anniversary. And when I did it, I just went up there, strapped down to this guy. We had a casual conversation. We got, we got to the, window. Well, I hope the casual conversation was before the strap on, but go ahead. Yeah. You're making this very sexual. It's not, it, it's, just a, it's just somebody, somebody who's like, who's protecting your life. And anyway, so we scoot, butt scooch to the door and he says, we're going to go on three. Listen to I, the words you're using. <laughs> I didn't even do anything. I didn't even do anything. He just dry humped me out the door and we fell. There we go. Did not, there did not we go. And, and <clears throat> it was it was awesome. And like I said, I didn't have to worry about when to pull the chute. He said, do you want to try and pull the chute? And I said, yep. He said, go for it. And I pulled it. If I failed, he would have pulled it. If he failed, there's a second chute to pull. If it were just me, I wouldn't have known there was a second shoot to pull. I would have just died. Yeah, no, that's true. Listen, obviously, the one like thing I tell you before you do yeah. it is once you jump out, um, ask them how to breathe. And the way that the way the because for the about a minute I couldn't breathe because the pressure hitting your chest, you can't wow. exhale. So I think it took a minute before he was like. You're not so breathing. You're, Blow out as hard as you can. So I had. So to you were waiting to exhale. <laughs> yes, yes, waiting to exhale. I was singing the song too. Oh, that, that was the only the only thing that I didn't enjoy was I think the first thirty seconds I didn't know I couldn't breathe. The next thirty seconds I was terrified I was going to pass out and have to be revived when we landed. So you actually place. have to like forcibly exhale. Like you have to like it's like blow. It's the yep. inverse of scuba diving basically is what you're saying scuba diving there's pressure right in the scuba regulator so that in the air yeah yeah it's the you know but, but it goes you, you, have, you go up yeah no 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 you right but what, but you're both actually going down just for the record but the but the uh the scuba diving is you're having trouble breathing in you're saying it's actually having trouble breathing out yeah because the pressure is on your face and your lungs so it's uh, it's pushing air down your throat and it's pushing air against your lungs Wow. So you have to like, you have to like literally blow really hard. And once you get that first one, your, your, your body kind of kicks back into it. But, um, but otherwise it was, it was awesome. We had great view, a lot of fun, uh, awesome. good memory. I don't, I, I don't think I, I mean, it was, it was fun, but I don't think if, if I was like, I, I, I didn't get the, get the, I, w- I would do it again if people were doing it, but I have no interest of being like, Hey, let's go skydiving. You know, I'd rather yeah. do other things. It's with, definitely with for the money. experience. It's definitely yep. for the experience. All right. Well, that's right, like a good place to end. Thank you all for your questions to Amy in the upper state of New York. If yes. You're a real person. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your question. Okay. You up. 
then we have a whole other episode to, of therapy to do with Jamie. <laughs> but have a good day, everybody. All right, everybody, take it easy.